Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Shit Talking Podcast. I'm Christina Previtt. And I'm Robin Ross. We are we allowed to see shit? I don't know. Whatever. Let's go. Hello again. You are watching the Shit Talking Podcast. I am your co-host, Christina P. Say your, your last <laughs> initial, Robin. And, and I am your co-host, Robin R., because we have Michelle G. So we're all trying to be in sync today. Yeah. So Christina P., Robin R., and Michelle G., our hey. special guest today, Matchmaker. I'm a terrible at introduction, so I will just let you introduce yourself, Michelle. Like, tell us about you, what you do, your business. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, for having me on the Shit Talking Podcast. I definitely love the name, and you know, it's happy hour somewhere, so it's it's definitely shit talking time. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm a matchmaker. I'm the CEO of the company called um, MG International Matchmaking Coaching soon to be known as Incredible Love. I've been a matchmaker now for close to a decade, and I'm also a celebrity love coach, helping celebrities find love or navigate through the difficulties within their relationship. Uh, I love it. The best part of what I do is I get to use science, I get to use practical advice, I get to use intuition, and I get to bring people together and help them find the love of their life and uh, remove any obstacles that they have in their life that are preventing them from finding love. I'm also the TV host of season one called Fix My Love Life that's going to be airing in May of this year, uh, second week of May it should be, on Roku, Amazon, iTunes. It'll be anywhere you have a device through Notoriety Network. Shout out to my team for the support and the love and my husband. And I'm super excited to be here. Thank you, Michelle. Okay. So many questions. So many questions. So you said you use science. So what is the science of matchmaking and how does one get a scientific degree? Like how did you learn the science? Okay, so my degree is in social psychology. So I went to school and got my degree in social psychology. And then I went and trained to be a matchmaker. And there's actually a matchmaking institute. It's in New York City. It's called um, the Matchmaking Institute. Now they're going to, I think they're going to be called Global Love or something like that. But I went there and I got my matchmaking certification. And I'm also a really avid reader. So the science comes from reading and from my collegiate degree, but also from reading like the research of what is happening and how particularly online dating and how technology is just changing the way that we connect with people. Research tells us that there are seven key life values. That research is backed up by Dr. Terry Orbach, who's one of my mentors and someone that I love. And um, it talks about the most important thing are those key life values in order for a relationship to be able to last the long term. You don't have to be 100% on the same page about those, but you want to be at least on the same page anywhere from three to four of those key life values, such as finances, religion, Mm -hmm. raising a family, uh, lifestyle, life goals. Those are all important things that affect the trajectory and the longevity of a relationship. Okay. So... If I'm looking at these 17 key life values. Seven. Right? Sorry to correct. I thought you said there were 17. I was no, like, shit, seven. that's a lot of values. Thank God, there's a lot less. Oh, that makes me so happy. Because I thought you said 17 and I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm never going to know all of these values. But is there one that you think is like the most important that if you don't click on this value 
like it's not going to work. You know, I think all of them are equally important. But if we look again at what statistically like and you guys are both divorce lawyers, a majority of big reason why people divorce has to do with finances. Mm -hmm. And so I see both of you shaking your head. So I would have to say that finances is, is for me what I think the most important understanding the person that you're involved with this, their relationship with money and their money story and understanding your own relationship with your with money and your own money story. That was something that I discovered in my second marriage. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm a divorcee. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I discovered in my second marriage, and it definitely does have a huge impact, particularly because it affects lifestyle, life goals, um, what what you guys want to do together, children. How many children do you want to have? Where do you want to live, and so forth. Well, we have to we have to go into um, a little bit of backstory. So we've this is obviously a recurring topic between Robin and I and um, the show, and it just keeps coming up this debate about expectations and how do you voice those, and more importantly, the timing of that. So mm-hmm. we've had we had a really animated show one day about um, you know when do you talk about when you want to get married or if you even want to get married or if you want to have kids or, you know, like money that didn't even, we didn't even talk about that, Robin. I know. Like, cause Robin, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to miss. You're never wrong. Never, never, never. But I don't want to misremember, but it's, I think the debate between you and me was that you thought it should happen pretty quickly. Like first date. And I was like, nah, that's too soon. Yeah, like I'm not against on a first date talking about what your expectations and what I'm not even going to say values because maybe that's like a little bit of a weird word, but at least expectations. So I feel like if one person is out on the dating scene because they're like, look, I'm on Tinder, I swiped right or left, I can never remember the difference between the two, which one's good and which one's bad. I swiped whatever, I'm really just trying to get some ass. So we're sitting here, we're having some pizza. Let's wrap it up so we can go back to my house. I kind of want to know that versus like, okay, well, I was also on Tinder and I'm looking for the love of my life. Like, why can't we just put that on the table now? Mm, that's a good question. I just want to take a moment and acknowledge Christina's braids. <laughs> I know. She's really loving my braids. Thank I'm you. loving braids. I used to have braids. And then someone said something, a comment to me where they were like, you're not black, so you can't have braids. And I never what braids again. What kind of braids did you have? Well, I was young, and I was also um, I was I was young. I think I was in high school. I had kind of like the Janet Jackson, the box braids. Okay, yeah. I did the box well, braids. Yeah. Well, there is a whole debate about cultural appropriation, which could be a whole different show yes. about whether whether it is appropriate or not. Kind of just, but I kind of. We're going to get up. Okay, Michelle, I don't know if you watch this show, but on Shit Talking, the the topic of the podcast is never what we actually talk about. So here we are now talking about cultural appropriation. That's why it's called Shit Talking. It's just wherever the wind takes us is like where we end up. But um, but I kind of feel like we all do it. Like we take things from other cultures and and make them our own. And like that's kind of cool. Or you know, I may not have naturally curly hair, but I might get a perm and say I want naturally curly hair. Right. I don't know. But 
That's not the point of this show. The point is, can I on the first date, Michelle, Mm. without scaring someone off, say, my goal is to get married and to have kids. And that is what I'm out in these streets looking for. Like, is that just going to completely scare somebody off? Listen, number one, if it scares off your part, well, three tips. Number one, it's the delivery, like anything else. It's all in how you deliver it, right? If you go come out here and you're saying that, and then you're like desperate, like, here's my timeline. And I got to have kids by this. And I got to get married in seven months. Like, yeah. And what is your tuxedo size? Let's go right now. Exactly. (laughs) Whoa. Um, So delivery is number one. Number two, what you're really talking about is called a dating intention statement. And every person who's single should have a dating intention statement that they should know by heart. It should be no, it's like a 30 second pitch. Like, Mm. Hey, listen. Uh, So this is me and my, my intention in, in meeting you and my intention in dating right now is because I'm looking for a long-term relationship that'll lead to marriage with a family. Those are my relationship goals. What are yours? Simple as that. And it's okay to say that over the appetizers. Um, I, w- I would say appetizers. Now, now we're getting a little bit too quick. I I'll say so maybe like dessert. Like halfway through the meal because that's okay. Conversation for a couple of other things. There's this really great book that I recommend to clients, and I've read it myself, and I'm an owner of it, and it's like completely highlighted. And it's called Eight Dates. And it's actually a book that was written by Dr. John and Julie Gottman, and it's re- backed by research once again. And it talks about the eight essential conversations that you need to have throughout that courting phase to really identify whether or not that person's right for you. The first mm-hmm six months of a relationship when you're dating someone and you're going through courtship and then you're moving into the real dating phase that leads into the true love phase, right? Those are really important because that's where you kind of decide, Hmm, do I want to spend more time with this person? Do I see a future with this person or more like, yeah, no, we have great chemistry. We're compatible in some things, but like on real core values, we're not on the same page. Okay. What so you but you think the first date is appropriate to have that conversation? I think it's appropriate on the first date to to ask what their relationship goals are so you don't waste your time because especially when there's chemistry involved, it's like you're so busy flirting and you're having a drink and everyone's mm-hmm. getting all comfortable. And then it's like, oh, I really like this guy. And kind of everything goes out the window, if you will. So one of our, our peanut gallery folks, we have our peanut gallery, um, is saying, why would she even go on the date unless she knows the person is interested in marriage and children? And I think that's, that's an interesting question because I sometimes think about dating in like a traditional old school like context where it's mm-hmm. like you bump into the guy in the frozen food section and he's like, would you like to have a drink Friday? And I'm like, sure. And then we have a drink, right? But the reality is now most of us are dating online. Most of us are having conversations before we even get to the first date, like doing the texting maybe or calling maybe. So within those first conversations before the first date, can you throw out your dating intention statement and say, this is what I'm looking for so that you don't even waste your time on the first date? Yeah. So listen, here's how I feel about that. I think one thing that's really important is the way that we read messages, the same way we read text messages, the same way we read emails, it's with the voice in our head. 
So we put like intonations and we emphasize in certain areas where maybe that other person doesn't put the emphasis. And I think that that's a conversation to have in person because you want to be able to see that person and read their body language. Like Mm. is what they're saying. If you have a guy who's telling you, yeah, sure. I'm looking for the same thing. I'm open to it. Right. Because sometimes guys are not very clear in that response. And they are a really nice way of you saying that guys lie. You know what? Yes. Guys sometimes are full of shit, you know? <laughs> it's true. And you know, I just feel like if you if you are in front of that person whether it's on a virtual date, whether it's in person, you can really be- read that body language and see a person who's engaged, who really wants a relationship, they're going to start they're going to want to have a little bit more depth to that conversation. And be like, oh, okay, look, I want the same thing. So tell me, like, are you looking to have, like, two kids, three kids? Oh, how do you feel about, uh, re- you know, spirituality? What religion are you? How do you, you know, those are conversations that someone who's uber serious is going to be comfortable with having on that first date. Now, I wouldn't go all the way extreme talking about everything because you want to leave some intrigue for the imagination and also... First date shouldn't last more than I say two hours. That's a long time. I say 90 mm-hmm. minutes. Keep it to 90 minutes. And now you can get yourself really? foot and mouth. Wow. Well, having an inc- incredible time. I mean, we always hear <clears throat> stories about somebody, well, not Robin and I, because we divorce people, but, you know, friends <laughs> that if they go on the state, like, oh my God, we just, the conversation was flowing and it was so great. And we ended up talking for like eight hours. I mean, what about that? Do you think that it's wise to cut it short? Leave them wanting more? Uh, Yeah, I do. I do. Because you know what happens there? What I've seen is that then you kind of make the mistake of like, oh my God, we're so connected. He's the one. And there's all this pressure put on this, this poor guy who just, you had a really great conversation with. And then next thing you know, you're accelerating. If the way that a conversation begins will dictate how our conversation ends. If you continue to just all oh, talk about everything and you guys are involved and it's eight hours later, next thing you know, you go on the second day, you're ending up and you're sleeping with that person. And then all of a sudden they change. And then it's like, well, what happened? Because we create stories in our head. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, especially us women. Especially us women, right? Because we're so indoctrinated into like, look at Disney movies, the fairy tale, the prince, and he comes and he's yeah. your knight in shining armor and everything's perfect. That's not true. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's an important comment in, in our peanut gallery now that they're kind of going back and forth to say, well, maybe it's too early or, you know, why would I even go on the date if I know that that's not what they want? And one of the interesting things that was said was, well... I think, and I kind of agree, that it's okay to find out what someone's intentions are without internalizing that intention. So somebody could say, yes, I also want to get married and have kids, but that doesn't mean they want to get married and have kids with me. That just means that's what they want. Right. And it's important for me to know that at least that's their dating intention and that's what they want and that I want the same thing. And then we can figure out if we want it with each other. Like, I don't think we have to say, you're the one and I'm going to marry you tomorrow. Right. Yeah, that's when that's when you scare a guy away. That's when you scare a woman away. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, we click on everything. Oh well, where do you see us living? And it's kind of like, whoa, like yeah, right. 
Right. So it's okay to say, I want to get married. That's what I want without, and it would scare them off to say, I want to marry you because they're kind of like lady we just met, but it's okay to say, I want to get married. Is that something that, you know, you see yourself doing in the future? And if they go, not really, I never want to get married. Then I kind of go, well, now I know. Now, you know, and that's not your person. Here's the thing. We're only looking for one partner. And I think people get so fixated on, oh my God, every, and when you go in with that attitude, like this person could be the one you put so much stress and pressure on yourself and Mm -hmm. you really don't enjoy and just be. Sometimes we have to learn to just be. If you're going on a first date, you should have at least three important questions that are important to you in order for you to make an assessment whether or not that person is the right person for a second date. Mm. Yeah, I I like that philosophy because I I live vicariously through my single girlfriends and who are now whittling down to to next to nobody. I guess we'll have to wait till the the people start phasing out with divorce. <laughs> right. Well, we'll wait till they, they call your office and you go, welcome back to the team. Welcome back. There's things again. Um, but I, I hear them, you know, get so stressed, like what you're saying. They get so nervous. Like they put so much pressure, not just on the, the guy, but themselves too, you know, the whole situation. And I would always tell my friends, you know what? You need to calm down. Mm. Take a Xanax, and you need to stop putting so much pressure on all these decisions that you think that you need to make right now. Like, oh, I don't know if I could marry him. Why the fuck do you need to know if you're going to marry him on the first date? You don't. Uh, no. I mean, who the hell is going to know that? How could you possibly know that? And those things happen few and far in between where someone says like, I knew it from the moment that we had the first kiss, like that was the one, but those things are few and far in between. That isn't everyone's story. So do you think there's such thing as like love at first sight? Like you can go on a date with someone and say like, this is the guy I'm going to marry. Like, I just know, because I've heard people say these things, like tell me these stories of like, When I went on the first date with my husband or the first date with my wife, like I knew from that date that that was the person I was going to marry. Like maybe it didn't happen that quickly. It might've still taken a year or two, whatever it is. But they were like, I knew, I knew the minute that we went on that date, that that was it. Like, does that really happen? Or is that kind of bullshit? I can speak for myself, my personal experience, and then I'll speak for my clients. As a matchmaker, do I think it's possible? Of course. I think anything is possible because I'm not inside of people's bodies and we don't know each each person's experience. They just they just feel something they know and the other person correlates or feels the same way. So I think it is possible. Has it ever happened to me? No, it hasn't. Now, my first husband did say that to me. He, he saw me carrying bag of groceries up the stairs to my dorm while I was in the Marine Corps. And he's like, I saw you and I knew that I wanted to marry you. And I was just, I, I laughed. I, I literally laughed in his face because I was like, you're so full of shit. And I just thought he was just trying to get in my pants. And no, the, the man stuck around. I, he put a ring on it. Five years later, we divorced. We weren't the right fit for one another, but... So I think, if, is it possible? Of course it is. Have I seen it, experienced it? Have I seen it with clients? I will tell you uh, in the decade that I've been in business, I haven't seen that with clients and I haven't seen it with someone. But I hear that from couples who've been married 
50, 60 years. And also, I think there's something interesting that I've noticed from couples who say that technology wasn't such an integral part in their relationship. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. like so prevalent as it is in our lives. And I don't know, you know, I can't, I don't have any science data to back that up, but I, I just feel like the less distractions we had at one point in our life, the more we were able to focus and be present in where we were in our environments and the people around us. So possibly that may have something to do with it. I'd love to hear if anyone in the comments, if that's ever happened to anyone. That's yeah, I would love to know from our peanut gallery for any of our married people, or even if you don't want to be married and you're in a long-term relationship and that's where you're happy. But like, is there anyone in our peanut gallery that they just saw that person and they're just like, you know what? That's it. Like you're, you're the one and I know it. And this is the person I'm going to be with. Cause I I've heard it for sure. The peanut gallery is like, nope. Um, so you talk about texting and about being present. And I think that my question is more along the lines of, I think, that we establish relationships using technology, in my opinion, too much. Like in a relationship, you're constantly, or when you're getting to know someone, it's constantly texting, texting, texting. Well, I texted you. How's your day? You know, WYD. If you WYD me, what do you mean? What do you, you can't even write out what are you doing? For the love of everything holy, you can't even write out what are you doing anymore? Like, but this, this is what we're getting now that it's such yeah. this like texty society that people aren't, having conversations or saying like, let's go out and grab a cup of coffee to have the face-to-face talk. Like it's all happening like this. Yeah. I am so against it. Look, texting was created. Messaging was created just to have a couple of interactions and kind of get a sense for that person. Very light. What happened to picking up the phone people and just hearing one another's voice? Research tells us that when we hear a person's voice, we miss them. We think about them. It stimulates. It actually activates something in us. And it, it's an indicator whether or not like, oh, I like that person's voice. Oh, I miss them. Oh, I want to see them. It creates this mystique that everybody wants. Everybody talks about chemistry. Part of creating chemistry, if you're kind of on the fence, is talking on the phone besides just seeing each other. If you're able, and I don't understand how, I can't do it. I can't have one hour text message conversations. I've had clients who've told me that and I'm like, my fingers hurt after three. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to call you. Sorry. I I can't keep doing this. Well, if it was a, if it was a phone call, it probably would have been like five minutes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but how do you, because I kind of find, especially in this day and age, even if that's the way that I am, if I go, you know what, like, I really would prefer that you just pick up the phone and call me, you get so much pushback. I mean, I guess for Christina and I, it's a little bit different because we're in long-term relationships where it's Mm -hmm. like, at this point, half of the communication is just like, are you making dinner or should I pick something up? Like that's, that's kind of, that's the romance. That's the hot romance in my house. But but, but I guess like when you're at the beginning stages, how do you kind of create that boundary of like, no, if you want to talk to me, you need to call me. Like, is it that if somebody texts you, you just don't answer? Or is it if they text you go, hey, call me? Like, how do you get people out of it? Because that's just like the way now. That's all yeah. people know how to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to I'm going to say a very 
popular phrase that I say to all my clients, all my, my lady clients. And then I'll tell you about men because I work with men as well. It's called communication cadence. As mm-hmm. women, we, that's something that's really important to us. I hear this from women who all the time who are like, I went out on a date and the reason that it's not progressing is because I need more of a communication cadence. I can't have this guy just disappear for 24 hours and not even say hello. Like I, I, I get uncomfortable because I don't know, like, is it just you and I, are we exclusive? Like it brings up all these other things. So <clears throat> communication cadence, we have to be able to talk. That's one of the things that you should be talking about on date two. Hey, what's your communication cadence? Like, are you just simply text? Are you like, do you like the old school art of being on the phone and talking? And I think what I tell women too, is us as women, we can't just let the man make all the moves either. We have to Mm -hmm. show interest. So that way he will reciprocate. And it's okay to say to a guy, if if you've been seeing him and you've allowed the texting to go on and you notice that he likes to text a lot, Men don't like to talk on the phone. They don't. They're just not phone talkers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then the, one of the next best thing that you can do is you can say, Hey, let's, let's jump on a quick FaceTime. I just want to see you talk to you for a couple of minutes. Right. It's okay to ask that. Some people find it really invasive, but here's what I'm going to say. If they can't make that time to pick up the phone, do a FaceTime chat with you, even if it's for a couple of minutes, doesn't have to be all day, all times of day. But if they can't do that at least once in a while, once you guys have established that you're seeing one another exclusively or you're on that path, then that's not the person for you. I'm sorry. If they can't even make five minutes to pick up the phone and call you or get on a virtual date with you or, or invest that time and all they want to do is text, I find it to be a red flag. But it's also important to ask that person what's their communication style. Now I'm going to talk about the fellas, because if we have fellas, I want them to make, to feel like I'm not just talking about the ladies. <clears throat> Guys, Please don't- do. We were told this is not a male friendly environment and men, we <laughs> love you. Come listen to us. This is for shit talking for you too. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm not saying that ladies, we have it all figured out, but Guys, come on, you know, and if you can't handle it, seriously, why are you getting so offended and so butthurt all over nothing? Right? (laughs) They don't like to talk on the phone. My fellas, I get it. You don't like to talk on the phone. Okay. And sometimes us as women, we're really chatty catty. The best thing that you can do is you can be like, hey, hon, hey, babes, if you guys are at that level or hey, Robin, hey, Christina, listen, I'm not a big phone talker, but you know what? I'd love to continue to getting to know you. And if that's important to you, how about we come to to a place you can meet in the middle? Is it all right if we just have a phone conversation maybe every other day for like 10 minutes? Like I can't do it for more mm-hmm. for longer, right? Just 10 minutes. And if you say that to a woman and she gives you pushback, then she's not respecting what you're asking her, right? But if she's yeah. a reasonable woman and she's like, you know what? All right. Okay. You know what? We have to acknowledge as women, like he's making an effort. He's not giving mm-hmm. us everything. You know what I mean? That's why compromise is such an ugly word because everyone thinks that someone's going to lose. And the truth is there is a way to compromise where one person doesn't feel like they're losing. I love what you just said too, because it kind of highlights another theme that we've always talked about is, um, well, first expectations, um, but also communicating what you want. 
yes. and what yeah. you need. Because how is the other person supposed to know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mm-hmm. think we make a lot of assumptions and guesses. And you can tell a lot from, from people's actions, but you can't tell everything from people's actions. So I love that you're encouraging that type of open communication and expressing what you want really early on. Look, we, we're living in the 21st century, okay, where any question that I have, all I have to do is access my phone and pull up Google and literally I can find the answer to that question. Now, whether or not it's going to be the right answer, whether or not it's going to be the best advice for you, the point is that we have open access, right? And so we talk, there's, we're in an age where there's so much conversation around being genuine and authenticity and vulnerability, Guess what? If we're going to talk about it. Then we also have to practice it. And part of it sometimes can be being okay with feeling uncomfortable around saying what's important to you, what you need and what you want. A lot of times you guys are divorce lawyers. You know, part of the reason that in the divorce, I'm sure when they're having the mediations, <clears throat> I don't feel like my partner hears me. I'm done. Like I've said the same thing over and over and over and they haven't heard me. They don't care. Right. And the thing is, like, start early on the way that you start the good habits in a relationship early on, the healthier of a relationship you will have in the long term. Yeah, that's great advice. I totally agree. You said something about once you're to a place of being exclusive, Mm. when do you have that conversation? Like, like, when do you, when is it appropriate for you to sit down and say, so are we exclusive? Like, are, you know, are we going steady? Like, what do we do? You know what I mean? Do you like, like, check the box? Right, right. Check your yes or no. Like, when, when is like time-wise? Is it okay to kind of say like, all right, we've gone on a few dates, you know, We've, we've learned what we're, what we both want. We've had that conversation. We know what we're looking for. We know that we're both looking for, you know, a a long-term thing or a monogamous thing. Like, when are we having that talk? Like how far in before I say, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) I'm curious to hear yours and Christina, since both of you are in long-term relationships, the approach that you ladies or who, who brought it up? Cause it's typically the woman, typically it's the mm-hmm. woman. And I'm really curious to hear how you guys approached it. So here's what I will say. And then I, I'd love to hear your guys' stories, honestly. Okay. Um, so what I say to, to clients is typically about six, and this is my female clients between the sixth and the eighth date, we get antsy. Because now we've spent time with this person. We've possibly or may have already been intimate with this person. We may have met their friends, right? We, you know, we're, we're spending more time with one another. So about six to eight weeks is when we start to get antsy. I think that's also an appropriate time anywhere between six to eight, even to nine weeks to bring that conversation up. Why? <clears throat> You've already invested two months with this person possibly, Right. If you're if you're not seeing anyone else, if you on your own have decided you're not going to see anyone else, guess what? That's the best time to bring up that conversation. It also gives you an opportunity by then you've already had different discussions or conversations around and you've observed one another when you're like, okay, I kind of want to see where this really goes. I want to see if there is a possibility for long term. 
That person already told you that their dating intention is to find a long-term relationship. They should not be surprised that you're going to bring it up. For my fellas who are listening, if there are any at some point, here's what I will say. Don't be afraid by a woman bringing up exclusivity. Exclusivity does not mean I want to get married tomorrow and you're done. Like you can't go out with your friends. I'm going to rule your life because that's what I hear a lot of men say to me. It's like, I'm so fearful of the exclusivity conversation because the way that it's approached, I feel like my bachelor life is completely done and I have to be all about her. No, no, you, you're an individual before you join the relationship, you will continue to be one post the relationship in the relationship. You as a man have to be comfortable in saying what your boundaries are and what you need as well, which takes a little bit of finessing on their part. It makes me wonder why do men think that? Because I hear that a lot too. Is it because that's how their prior relationships were? And if so, maybe it's because, as you just said, they they didn't express where the, where their boundaries were. Yeah, you know, part of it has to do with their own past relationship experiences. Part of it has to do too that I've noticed. It's like the guys that they hang out with, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man, when they're having locker room talk. Oh man, like I cannot believe it that, you know, this girl now, now we're boyfriend and girlfriend. And now she's like all up in my stuff. Like she, I found her checking my phone. Right. And so as women, we become possessive and that is not healthy, not healthy Mm -hmm. at all. Men are not, not properties the same way women are not properties. Like I don't belong to a man. I don't belong to my husband. I am a partner. I'm married to him, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, he does not belong to me. I don't own him. No. And we we kind of take, and I think that's part of our, if you will, maternal instinct, right? Because we're the right. ones who procreate. We're the ones who have babies. So we have ownership of our children. And I think that we, that tends to come out when we are exclusive. And yeah, absolutely. But part of it too is, just the guy talk. Oh man, don't let her do this, man. Oh, you better hide your phone. You better change this and don't put your phone down because you know, then she's going to think you're talking. And it's all this stuff that they get from other men that just fills their head. Isn't that a certain level of maturity too? Absolutely. I mean, I can expect like 20 somethings talking about that, but in your forties, I think it still happens in your forties. I definitely think there are still people checking people's phones and trying to figure out where you are. And I followed you here or I followed you there or like, I, I still, I mean, look at our clients. I have clients that are like, Oh, well I put a tracking device on my wife's car. You're like, you're like 57 years old. What what are you doing? That's just creepy. Or, Or like, you know, I went through his phone and I found out, because he didn't know that I turned on his location that he was at the strip club. Like I, I hear this from yeah. old ass people. These yeah. are not just 20 year olds. Yeah. I, I have to agree with Robin. I've heard it from people who women and men who are in their late thirties, in their forties, in their fifties. And part of that has to do with the fact that they, a probably never had a healthy role model of a relationship of what healthy relationships look like. B it's also part of what we see happen in, in TV, right? In the shows that we watch and we consume when people talk about dating and relationships, like mm-hmm. that's another aspect. And then last, I, I feel like it's also something where 
sometimes when you get married really young and then you are back out there in the dating world, we have to remember that no matter what your age is, if you stopped dating and got married when you were 21, when you're out there in the world as a 50 something year old, you're, that's all, you know, so you, it's like you become your 21 year old self dating again. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I have an interesting question from our peanut gallery and this is, this is kind of, um, Obviously, like it's personal to me as a black woman. Are there cultural differences in how you deal with your matchmaking? Like, does your advice change based on culture? And the reason that this question was asked is that when we look at statistics, especially, you know, highly educated professional black women find it very hard to get married. Um, the marriage rates for that particular group of women is very low. So if you had, you know, let's say I came to you and I said, Michelle, I want you to find me a match. Matchmaker, matchmaker. I've been, I've been waiting to sing the song the whole time. <laughs> um, so I say, make me a match, right? And I say, okay, well, I'm an attorney. I own my business. I'm a black woman. I'm 40 years old. I have no children. Um, you know, I'm in this income bracket. Make me a match. And a lot of people are like, yeah, good luck with that. Mm. So, so my question to you is, do you change your approach based upon culture? Because also I've watched some of these shows too. And I've also read studies that said, as far as the list of desirable pool of candidates, black women are on the bottom. Nobody wants to date black women. White men don't want to, black men don't want to, Asian men don't want to, Hispanic men don't want to. So if you had someone like me who is an educated professional black woman, and I say, I want to match, do you have to change things up a little bit just because it's a little bit more difficult. You know, some people are saying we don't want to necessarily date black women. We want to fuck black women, but we don't necessarily want to marry black women. Yeah. So what's your experience with that? Cause I do find that very interesting. And I, and you know what, it's a conversation that we've have had and I've seen, and it's circulated um, throughout our matchmaking and dating community. And let me just start by saying this, um, the the most important thing that I, I don't look at, I work with a lot of people of color, a lot of black men, black women, Latinos. I'm a woman of color. I'm not a black woman, but I am a woman of color. And my approach is, <clears throat> I don't see the fact that you are a black woman, a professional, like, I don't see that, oh my God, it's going to be harder to match you. That's not what I see. What I focus on is who is it that you're looking for? Right. Because if you're looking for if you're clear on who you're looking for, that makes my job easier. My job Mm -hmm. as a matchmaker is to do the legwork. My job as a matchmaker is to package you and present you to desirable matches who are looking for you. Is it statistically speaking there? They say that the reason that it's harder for black women is because there is a big disparity. And it's also happening in the Latino community where women are becoming more educated Black men are incarcerated, right? And so, and black women prefer, at least the ones that I've worked with, they prefer to marry within their own community. There's nothing wrong with that. My advice doesn't change. My advice Mm -hmm. changes when I have a woman who is looking to make an interracial match because there are cultural differences that do need Mm -hmm. to be discussed, that need to be considered when it comes to the long-term relationship. Look, I thought that by 2021, we would live in a world where people aren't racist and can see people for who they are versus the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. But we're not there yet. 
right? We're not there yet. And unfortunately, yes. that's something that I have to, that, that's something that I have to bring up to them as a part of the conversation. How are you going to approach this conversation with your partner? What is your history in dating? Have you dated interracially, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different reasons why there are a lot of men, men who think that black women, they don't, they only want to sleep with them, but they're not trying to date them. And part of that is how they've been represented just in media that has really influenced like me and a friend, a friend of mine, actually a really good friend of mine who I served in the Marine Corps with. He's a black man, 40 year old black man, retired. He has a second career. He's handsome. He's a gentleman. He's attractive. He's funny. He's got all these qualities. And him and I, as a matter of fact, the other night we were having this conversation because he was like, hey, go ahead and swipe for me on Bumble. I want to I, I want to see if you can swipe for me and pick a great woman for me. And I was mm-hmm. like, sure. So we were talking about it. And the conversation of I asked him of like black women. Right. And how and how they're I saw that at one point on media, they were portrayed as like, oh, no, girl, like everything was this big, dramatic mm-hmm. response to a man's behavior. And I've noticed that that has tapered down. I think that although that has been tapered down and showing in media, people still think that way of a black woman. They forget that she's educated. Potentially she may not be that person who's going to act like Shanae. She can actually have a conversation and get upset and not throw things or act crazy as they say. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with us as Latin women. Oh, you guys have this temper and you're spicy. And it's like, yeah, I have that temper, but I'm also educated. And um, I know that I can speak to someone else like a human being. I don't need to treat them like they're my kid. You know what I and mean? I'm not going to prison for you. Let's just <laughs> be clear. Like, I, I get that maybe if I do have a temper, but I'm not going to prison for you. I'm not. The, the locks are the closest I'm getting to cornrows. I can't mm-hmm. do prison. That's it. <clears throat> yeah. So, all right. I mean, I, I think that's really interesting because I, I do wonder about that like even when i used to watch like back in the day i don't even know if the show comes on anymore millionaire matchmaker does that show still come on christina uh, yes. Lottie stanger yeah um it reruns i think sometimes yeah i haven't seen it in a long time but i loved that show and i love patty stanger but there were never black people on the show like they were very rare very rarely like Look the at the women she brought in. well they were all in calabasas in Calabasas. Listen, I like that you brought that up, Robin, because now I see that more and more they're bringing black people, black men, black women into the fold, right? And now yeah. for me, as a Latin woman, I'm like, where's our representation? Where's the Latin people? You know? And oh, I, I know. Like, yeah, literally, I kind of feel like, oh, they try and find someone who's racially ambiguous to kind of represent everyone else they forgot. And there's usually one person like that. I think it's right. Cool. They're kind of like, right. They're like, what are you? Like, is she black? Is she mixed? Is she like, yeah. uh, you know what? Like, we don't know. Is she Asian? Yeah. Latina? Yeah, no, that, that is definitely so true. I have so many questions. I, Christy, what's the thing? I, well, because I, I just have a lot of them. So, my next question is because you kind of, and I'm just thinking back to something you said when you talked about having to talk about exclusivity and maybe you've already slept with someone. Mm. So when can we have the sex, Michelle? Like when, like, I think, 
like as women we're kind of like well we can't do it on the first day because then i'm going to be a hoe but then some of us are like well if i'm a hoe you're a hoe and then we can share our hoetry together because we both had sex on the first date so yeah, and i like, resent why anybody's even still talking about that right, like, why is this even an issue is this really still an issue or do women create this issue in our mind that there's a formula as to when it is okay to have sex all right all women are not created equal let's let's start there and the reason I say that is because some women are very comfortable in their sexuality and they don't, to them, they feel like, listen, if I'm having sex with this person and it's simply casual, I have no emotional attachment. I'm totally okay with it. Mm -hmm. And that is something I respect and admire. And then there are women who are like, girl, if I sleep with him, I get all tangled up and then I start thinking like he's mine. And that's the truth. And I will say that that is more of a majority than, you know, what I, than the other side of it. So for me, here's what I say. We live, um, we live in a time where we are able to own our sexuality as women, but we also have to remember something. Okay. If you have sex on a first date, it's not that you're a hoe. There was something that a stepdad of my stepdad said to me when I was young and we were talking about sex. And he said, nobody likes to read yesterday's newspaper. And Mm -hmm. it's actually from a song. It's from a salsa song that, that, that talks about how everyone had had their hands and the, the newspaper was distributed around and nobody's interested in yesterday's newspaper. And that Mm -hmm. always stuck with me. And the reason it stuck with me is because of this. I think for me, And the world that we live in today with COVID, with STDs, with STIs, Mm -hmm. we have to be smart. And I personally don't want to have intimacy and I don't recommend clients to have intimacy with someone if they don't know where they stand. You Mm -hmm. open yourself up to a lot of just unsafe behavior. So, yeah, you can have sex when it feels right. But let's let's be honest about something. Your emotions and how you feel are not fact. We too often take them as fact. Oh, I feel great. So this is going good. I, I think we're going in the right direction. You think or you know. So my recommendation to clients is if you want to be intimate, be intimate when it feels right to you, but know what you're getting into. Meaning if you've had the exclusivity conversation after that, that's a perfect time. Knock yourself out. But if you're not, if you're on the fence where you're the one who's like, oh, I'm dating to kind of date, but it's been a while, do not be surprised if you start catching feelings and that guy doesn't catch feelings the same way and he doesn't want to continue on. Then you can't be upset at him because you thought that sex was going to change things. Yeah. I think that that's kind of a really valid point is there's a difference between having sex because you think it's going to change things. Versus having sex because you just want to have sex Uh and just saying like, all right, this feels right to me. And this is what I'm ready to get into. And I'm ready to take whatever repercussions there are, whatever happens, happens, but this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, Well, I think what happens more often is women want to have sex, but then they start worrying because I hear that dialogue too. They start worrying, well, I want to, but is it too soon? Is he going to think I'm a slut? Is he going to lose interest if I have sex too soon? And and then the whole thing is like less about, well, what do they want? And it's more about, well, what's he going to think of me? And is it going to sabotage 
what might have been, you know, blossoming into a relationship. Am I going to screw it up because mm-hmm. I have sex too soon? Listen, we have to understand when we're creating stories in our heads. Yeah. We yeah. too many stories. We analyze everything. We, we think that if he didn't put a period here and he put an exclamation here, that it means like, oh my God, something great. And it's like, no. The best thing that you can do is if you're an adult and you're having sex, and I'm going to quote someone else that said this on my show. If you're having, if you're an adult and you're having sex and you can't have a conversation around sex, you shouldn't be having sex. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that cannot have a conversation around it. It's it's true. And I always think to myself, if, you know, I think women are so concerned about being judged and maybe I ruined the relationship because I had sex too soon. And I look at it as like, look, you know, it takes two people to have sex unless I rape this man mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I, we have sex against his will. We both engaged in that act. We both had sex. So if I'm a hoe, you're a hoe. Mm-hmm. Then we're all a hoe. And if you're going to judge me for being a hoe, even though you're a hoe, <clears throat> Mr. Hypocritical, I don't really want to date you anyway. Because that's exactly. kind of messed up. That's kind of messed up that you would judge me for something that you also did. Right. But well, it's a double it, it is, but my, my issue with the double standard is I don't have to accept it. So if you're the yeah. type of person that you buy into that double standard, you just may not be the right person for me. I agree. Yeah, That's I just agree. what it is. Well, Steve I, Harvey always says you can't scare love away. <laughs> and, and I think it's true. You know, if someone's really, you know, maybe they're not in love with you yet at that point, but if they really dig you and they want to be around... That's it. You know, they're not going to get scared off because you had sex too soon. Yeah. I I think it's a matter of like, whatever decision you're going to make, you have to own it. You have Mm -hmm. to own that decision. And while I recommend, listen, don't get involved with someone or have sex until you know that you're exclusive, especially if you're a person who's looking for a long-term relationship. If you're into the casual thing, what power to you? Make sure that that other person knows casually. And you want to ask them, are you sleeping with other people? And be ready to answer that question back. That's just the truth of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sex is sex is wonderful. It's great. Making love is wonderful. It's great. But I sure as hell don't want to go to my gyno and be like, find out I got the clap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, which apparently <laughs> I learned is... Um, statistically is increasing, especially with um, retirement age people, because I I was surprised to hear that Um, because, you know, people are getting divorced. They're going out there and having sex, you know, with someone new and they're, you know, just not being safe. And are old people not using condoms? What are we doing in my community? No. So I taught at a, I taught at several community centers and they brought me in to teach because it is a, they have a huge problem with STDs, STIs because they think, Oh my God, I'm old. I can't get pregnant. Screw it. I'm just going to do it. But they're not also really comfortable. They come from an era where they didn't talk about STDs or STIs. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I I would come in and I would come in and just have a conversation and teach them how to talk about it. No, they weren't using condoms because they think, the only thing I need to worry about is getting pregnant. I'm too old. My eggs ain't working. It don't matter. Just let's do it. Oh my God. There is an outbreak of the clap at freaking Shady Pines. This is what's happening. <laughs> let's right not now. call them old people because we're going to be there one day. <laughs> I mean, I'm old now. So, <laughs> so, so 
Uh, wow. Oh, I mean, I feel like we, we jumped over a really important step and thank you again, Peanut Gallery. For- Uh-oh. Sorry. Um, so we have a matchmaker on the show, but we didn't even have you really explain, like, what is the process? Like, when, when someone comes to you, and like, let's say I came to you and I said, make me a match, then <laughs> what happens next? Like, what is the, what is the process? She, she's been waiting to sing that for a while. Why don't you just sing the whole thing and then I want to sing the whole thing, Robin. Michelle, I have been singing this for the past two weeks. Like, I think every show that we come and I was like, and next week it's matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. I've been doing it like for weeks. So <laughs> I love it. I'm, ex- I'm excited. So we have the process. Like what happens? Yeah. Okay. Great question. So First, a client decides how they, you know, after they decide what package and what capacity we're going to work, because there's two different types of memberships. We can be working together for six months. We can be working together for a whole year. So that's the truth of matchmaking. Like it, it, every membership comes with a set amount of introductions and that we, for us, we guarantee a minimum between six to eight or possibly more. And that just really depends on the more restrictive a person is, the smaller the funnel gets. That's just the truth, right? Um, I've talked to people who want to date one religion specifically, who want to date uh, a very specific ethnicity or who want to date a very specific age gap, right? Or age age range, I should say. And so the process is that we, we get to know you. We do an intake process. And we also put you through a couple of different personality tests because I want to get to know you, how you see the world and how the world sees you, right? And, and I incorporate that science aspect of it. And then we look, we take a look at your key life values. What are the things that are important to you? Because all those factor in to the person that I'm going to introduce you to. Once we do all that and, you know, we have a really great time and we make it really fun and really comfortable for people. That's one thing that I I get a lot of clients say to me. It's like, it was an easy process. You asked me so many really personal questions, but there are things that I haven't thought about before. We start doing our work. So we have a database or I hate to say database now because now it's not the right term. We have a registry or a pool of singles that we are always looking for new people to sign up for our pool. So if anyone's watching and you're a single and you're not ready to work with the matchmaker, I encourage you to head over to uh, send me a private message with Cupid and I'll send you a link and you can join our registry. So we go to our registry first. That's where we go and see if we have anyone readily available at the moment to be able to match them with. We always interview the person. We talk to them. We figure out if they're still single. We get to know them and interview them first. We also run a background check. If you're a person who's getting ready to be matched, we want to make sure that we introduce you to the person who they say they are. And we also do a background check with their permission. We're going to let them know that we're going to do that background check. And so as we do that background check, if we find that there's compatibility, then next thing that we know, we go ahead and we will introduce, well, we will let you know about our client. We do show photos, but we only show photos to our clients. The person who we'll be introducing to, or who's not a client, who's a candidate, that's what they're called. We, um, Tell them a little bit about the client. We answer their questions, but we don't show a photo. So it's a blind date, if you will. And that's to protect the integrity of our client. Like sometimes I'm like right now I'm working with a celebrity client. 
I don't want everyone to know who she is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked with some very high profile individuals. I don't want them to know some people in biotech that may, they may not be famous, but they're very well known. And so both parties have to say yes to wanting to meet each other. And that's what we call a mutual match. If they both say yes, then we make the introduction happen. Whether it is that we pre-COVID, it was we would set up the date and activity date. I'm not a big dinner date person. I like I like for my clients to do activity dates. I find that activity dates are so much more fun and interactive. Now during COVID, we do either a first virtual date. Some clients, they just want to do a phone date. So I really leave it up to each client to determine what they feel comfortable with. Then we create that introduction. They have a date. After the date, I get to speak to both of them. They both have to tell me how their date went. And it's an opportunity for me to know my, if my client's a female from a guy's perspective, how was she on the date? How did she do? Like, did you have chemistry with her? Do you want to see her again? Uh, was there any part of the conversation you felt awkward or you thought that, you know, you weren't sure how to read her and vice versa? Because I like to be able to give our candidates some feedback. Sometimes the, the guys, some of the guys that I have um, had in my database and I've introduced women to, they're like, oh man, hey, guess what? Like, I'm really genuine and authentic. And then I talk to the woman. She's like, he was trying too hard, way too hard. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's genuine and authentic, but he was trying too hard. Right. And then I talk to the guy and he may be like, look, she was great, but she had a little bit of halitosis that day. <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's things like that. It's just things like that where, where, you know, I, I get an opportunity to talk to both of them. And then afterwards I ask both of them, do you guys want to see each other? If they want to continue to see each other, then the, the client puts their membership on hold. I switch off my matchmaking hat and I become their relationship coach because again, the first six months of a relationship are really, really crucial. You know, like you're getting to know one another and you're navigating through chemistry and asking all those important questions and making sure you're not dating your ex in a different package. So I want to mm-hmm. be there to support my clients. Um, and I'm happy to say like, it's a beautiful experience. It's always great. Like last night I had a client who texted me at 11 o'clock at night, but I was knocked out and she was like, I'm going on a date tomorrow, you know? And, <laughs> and, and it's, it's great, you know, or like, I just went out to a wedding in Christmas. You know, I was invited to the wedding. I love getting wedding invitations. I have another client during COVID who met her match. You know, we matched her, me and another matchmaker, we collaborated and we were able to make a beautiful match and they're still together. They bought a home. You know what I mean? So those things like, they just warm my heart. I mean, I, I feel like God blessed me with that gift, you know, and if that's, that's the gift of my purpose in the world to connect people in a, in an, in an era where sometimes we feel like love is hopeless and there's no one out there for, for them. I'm here to tell you like love is your birthright and love is your superpower. So don't give up. You just might be fishing in the wrong pond. That's it. Yeah. What do you think about fishing in the company pond? Listen, there's only five mm. ways to meet someone. And one of those is in the company pond. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. oh people do it. So, <laughs> well, I think it's really cool because I think that matchmaking kind of went out of vogue for a while of like, I don't want this like arranged relationship. It really is a very old school thing. It's a very traditional thing. And other cultures are very much more into matchmaking than we are here oh, yeah. in the United States. So you know, I have read a lot of books about, you know, the way different cultures match people together and how, you know, uh, this is, again, another show, but, 
my view on arranged marriage is that it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I know that I'm probably in the minority, but I sometimes think that people telling us what's good for us might be a good thing. Because I think a lot of times people don't really know what the fuck we want. Like we think we know, but we might say like, oh, I think this is the right guy for me. This is my ideal guy. But when somebody looking from the outside looks in, they're probably like, yeah, but when we put all these factors together, that's really not the best person for you. Yeah. You may think you want it, but you really don't. You know? yeah. And we don't get classes in school about relationships, which is one thing that I feel that's kind of something that's on my list of things to do, to be honest with you, is to be able to add that to our education system. We, the things that we really need for life besides math and reading and writing, but like finance, like education on finances, education on how to have communication on relationship. Those are things that are really important. And I feel like we do a disservice and we're just supposed to kind of learn it as we go. And then we wonder why there's so many fucked up relationships in the world. Why there's so many people that don't that a healthy relationship what it's like so foreign to them and it's because mm-hmm. we don't have that as a part of a, our education system and depending on what they have at home they're not necessarily seeing an example of a healthy relationship right yeah. i mean we see that all the time right christina that like people just have no idea what a relationship is supposed to look like mm-hmm. so here's a question that i have and i don't i'm trying to find a nice way to ask this is is there ever a time that whether it's your client or I guess it would be your client because you're working with this person that like you need to explain to them that maybe all of these standards they have they need to not have yeah the laundry list yeah I mean because there's there's a reality to the situation right like if you have a client that comes in and you're like what are you looking for and then they're like, like laundry list all the way down. And you're looking at this person, you're saying a two doesn't marry a 10 and sweetie, you're a two and you're looking for a 10. Like, yeah. how do you, how do you kind of, I, I want to say massage the expectations that, okay, I understand that you're looking for a supermodel, mm-hmm. um, but you're also not a billionaire. So you're not getting that supermodel. Like, right. That's and you're you may not be traditionally attractive and you don't have the bank account to make up for all those things that may make that model still want to date you like how do you diplomatically tell somebody that they need to take several seats with all of their expectations i have two approaches for that and as a matter of fact um it it wasn't this didn't happen to myself this happened to a friend of mine a colleague and she was commenting that she had a woman client who came into her office and gave her a list of 76 things whoa 76 76 it was a big conversation um so yeah so here's what i would say there's two approaches my first approach is I, i i asked just a very simple question Would you date yourself where you are? Or is there anything you're working on right now? Mm -hmm. And nine out of 10 times, well, you know, I'm trying to lose like these, I'm I'm like five to six pounds away and I'm paying off my debt and and like all these things, right? And and I'm just listening. I let them just say whatever they need to say. And then I say, okay. Then there's a part two to that question. This guy that you're looking for, do you think that he's looking 
for that? Do you think that he's looking for someone who's still trying to reach that goal of five and six pounds? And he's looking for that person that is still paying debt? Or do you think he's looking for someone who's got their life a little bit more together? Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that I can honestly bring that up. And I, and listen, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. One of the things that I tell people, and I say this during my consultations, it's like the same way you're interviewing me for as to be a matchmaker, like this has to be a first match. I'm also interviewing you as a client to see how coachable you are. Because before I became a matchmaker, I was a coach. And coaching is, so I have those skill sets and I utilize those skill sets, what I need to tell people. And, and I tell them, I'm like, look, I'm going to give you a little bit of tough love right now. You're not going to like it. You may get mad at me. That's okay. But you paid me because you want to find love. So I'm going to tell you, you're not ready for it. Sometimes I have to tell people that I'm like, you need a little bit of date coaching. You need to polish your skills. You need to be comfortable asking for what you want. You need to remove those limiting beliefs. Because if I present you the perfect person, you're going to sabotage it. You're going to treat him the same way you would treat anyone else. Oh, that's the guy. And I don't know if I trust him and all this stuff. And a man who's really ready for a relationship, he's not trying to jump through all those hoops. At least not those hoops. He's trying to jump mm -hmm. through different hoops. And so mm -hmm. that's how I approach it with clients. Sometimes clients get upset and they're like, well, but I'm on my way and I'm like, listen, that doesn't, but you're not there and that's okay. But you have to also know where you are and you have to honor that and you got to honor your journey and we can all want more, but mm -hmm. what's wrong with meeting someone where you are? Right. Where did you come up with that list? Like, where did you come up with that idea that you have to have this Person. That's we, incredible. I can't even imagine 76 things on it. Was, was penis size on there? <laughs> Might have been. He, he needs to be seven and three fourths of an inch or longer. Like, I, like she sounded very specific with this list. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not on the uh, the, the intake sheet. That's not on the seven things. That's not on the seven key life values. Give me your 76 item list. Well, you know what? <laughs> Sexual compatibility is important. So that's one so, of them. So, you know, you don't want to have sex too soon. Well, unless you want to, right? Whatever that means for you. Right. But you also don't want to wait forever either, because yeah. what if you what realize, if he's in bed? Yeah, right. Like, what are you gonna do about that? Listen. And I think that that is a very delicate subject in the sense of like, for se for some people, sex may not be a priority. And also it depends on age group, right? Mm -hmm. I've met some people who are very sapiosexual, meaning like they are attracted to a person's intelligence. They, they want those intellectually stimulating conversations. And for them, sex, and sometimes it has to do with maybe they've had sexual trauma in their life. For them, sex is not a big thing. And so they feel like, look, we can work at it. It's fine. Like, and that other person's on the same page for other people. It's like, this is a deal breaker. If this person does not rock my world, it's a no for me. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, it's, it's a preference thing. Like it's honestly comes down to preference and what the priority is. I think most people would say sex is the number one priority for me. I think that that is true. Now, me being, I'm 39, I talk to my parents, right? And I have very open conversations with my mom around sex. And she's like, honey, you know, 
Yes, it's great. But let me tell you, once you get older, like you're not doing it all the time. It's not about jumping each other's bones. She's like, it's more like I want him to spend time with me and go garden with me. And I'm just like, why? I don't want to look forward to that. I I want (laughs) to, you know, but hey, to each their own. Do you ask about that? Like, because I know you're asking about these, all these, like these seven things. Is there a way that you kind of get into what someone's sexual like preferences or priorities might be? Because for example, I'm watching this show. This is my guilty pleasure is trash TV. (laughs) I'm watching this show, um, married at first sight. So on this show, they basically have experts kind of like Michelle, like put people together Mm-hmm. and they they don't know anything about each other until they get married. They meet at the altar. So they're just like, boom, you got married, but it's based upon these people thinking that they're compatible because of all this stuff they fill out, I suppose. So when I'm watching the show this season, the thing that I keep thinking about is there's this one couple on the show that you can tell sex is uber important to her. And the guy's kind of like, ah, you know, we'll get to it. It's it's not that big of a deal to me. Or I really need to be in love with somebody before I have sex. And then she's kind of like, I can't fall in love until I have sex. Like, I need that physical connection to feel love. And in my head, I go, well, these people are sexually incompatible to me. So what the fuck were these experts doing that they didn't figure that out before they put them together? If you have one person that needs sex for love and one person who can't have love without the sex, I think I fucked that up, but whatever. <laughs> if you have those people, like, are there questions that you, like a questionnaire where you say like one to 10 or something like how important is this or how important is that? Or how often do you need to have sex or, yeah. is, you know, sex more important to you or is intimacy more important? Would you take cuddling over just screwing? Like, are all of these on your list? Yeah, these are questions I have to ask. It's actually sexual intelligence is, is I mean, along with, you know, physical, financial intelligence, like right. sexual intelligence is a huge part of, of our matching process because number one, there are people out there who have fetishes. That's yeah. just the truth of it. And you want to be able to feel comfortable. I feel comfortable enough to talk to a client and be like, okay, let's talk about sex. What's your sexual okay. history? Like in the sense of like, are you open into like, are you open into fetishes? Like, what is something that's important for you and a partner to explore? Are you okay with toys? Um, you know, how experienced do you feel around sex, right? How co- Because that those are things that, yes, I need to know. Because the person that I'm going to be talking to, I'm going to ask them some questions. Maybe not all the same questions, but I am going to ask them some very important questions around sex. How comfortable mm-hmm. do they feel talking about sex? Uh, what are Do they have any specific fe- fetishes? Are they people who have toyed with the idea of polyamory or being in a triad relationship, right? That's something that's emerging more and more to be more accepted and more, well, I don't know if accept is the right word, but it's being talked about more. And I need to make sure that this person doesn't have that tendency that I'm matching my client with. And that my client is very monogamous. Mm -hmm. That's special incompatibility. So yeah, I'm, I do ask about those questions. I'm, comfortable around it. Sometimes people get really squirmish, which tells Mm. me a lot about just their take on sex and the conversations that they have. But, um, I do, it's really important. And like you said, especially if sex is a priority for, for my client or maybe my client, sex is not a priority. Maybe sex is something Mm. it's like, it's great, but I'm looking more for that intimacy 
Listen, my right. oldest client was 94. He's like, wow. the, he's like, what did he say? The fire truck still works. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what did he say? The fire truck still works, but it's not work, but it's not, you know, going to work every day, but it's still important, but it's not everything. Right. Wow. He wasn't <laughs> running around giving people the clap, was he? No, he wasn't. Okay, I told him no, he wasn't. He, wasn't. he was a he was a very responsible man. He sat that's how I met him. He sat in on my class around um STDs and S- STIs in in the in the golden years as I called it. Wow. That was a real goal. Maybe I should I should I should write Married at First Sight and say, Can you guys please get Michelle G on this damn show? Because I don't know what you guys are doing. I mean, some of these matches, I'm like, who matched these people? Like, I don't... Well, they don't and, want and, them to be compatible, right? Because that's not a intimidating like, show. Well, I mean, I'm, you're right. I mean, I'm sure at some point they're probably like, they, they need there to be some kind of sparks in there to make it entertaining. But like, the goal is supposed to be, we have all this science behind right. who's the right person for you. So leave it to us. You get out of your own way and we're going to find the person. Right. for you and then like you get these people sometimes and you're like i mean and some there are some people you're like i completely see why they match them like they're that was like spot on and then other people that you're kind of like mm. I'm not, not, really, not sure what happened there you know but i do think that you're right it's television and you want there to be it can't just be all easygoing like the audience can relate like oh my god that's me and so and so right right so, but hey, write them, Robin. I'd be I'm writing them. Married on first sight. I'd love it, Mary. I love that show. You know what other show is really great that I want to see a part two? Love is Blind. I didn't watch uh, that one. It's on Netflix. Love is Blind. That was like the big quarantine hit. Okay, I'm going to have to go in and Yeah, I got to check that I, one I'm out too. It wasn't just Tiger King. No. No. Not, no. <laughs> not, so... Since we're talking about, you know, interesting shows, can you just remind people who maybe just joined us or maybe who weren't here at the beginning about what interesting shows might be coming out in the streets in May? Yeah. Anything? Anything? Everyone watching. So I am hosting, I am hosting my very first TV show. It is called Fix My Love Life with Michelle G. As a matter of fact, right now we have a special that's out. If you go to notorietynetwork.co, you can find Entrepreneur of Love. And that's kind of a just a little bit of a pre-teaser of the show. Um, but it's going to be coming out on May, the second week of May. So if you're on Facebook or on Instagram, you can follow me at Love by Michelle G. And you can find out when the show is actually going to air. I'm super excited. I brought on different guest experts. I brought on different people who are going to, we're going to talk about dating in big cities, dating post COVID, talking about sex, talking about dating during the holidays, you know, all the things that we, that I would say we, because I feel like when I'm with my clients, I'm right there with them vicariously dating through them as well that are struggles for people. And what are the things that you need to focus on to be able to manifest love in your life? So we talk about it all. Um, and I'm super excited. So that's going to be airing in the second week of May. And it's through Notoriety Networks, Amazon, Roku, on your device, on your iPad. If you have a smart TV, you'll be able to see it on TV. But you can have a it. smart TV. Yes. I'm all so right. Excited. So I'm gearing up the damn fire stick. I am ready. 
I cannot wait. Um, I yeah, so now I, I have more shows to watch. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can have you back on after the show so we can, you know, t- interrogate you about things that happened on the show. Absolutely. And also on, yes. well, in July, I'm filming, I'm next week, I'm filming with a major cable network. This show, this, this show is, is known and it's on a major cable network that would be identified. I can't say who it is at the moment, but that show will, those episodes will air in July. So I'm sure that'll be a nice cup of tea. Cause actually my, my celebrity client comes out on the show and, Ooh. and we Ooh, get to I wait. Yeah. We better wait right, so now. Yeah, we're going to book you now for like August 1st, maybe, like the beginning of August. And then Christine and I, we're going to watch, we're going to take notes, and then we're going to, we're going to want like all of the side info. Like, okay, really? Was this person that stupid? Like, that's what we're going to want to know. We're going to want all of the information about the tea. We want the tea. The tea behind the tea. We want all the tea. All of it. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time and sharing your stories. I'm sure there's plenty more to talk about (laughs) on shit talking, but I guess our time has ended. Michelle, thank you for helping us to stay on topic. We actually talked (laughs) about our topic today. This is like a shit talk and not a first, maybe like a, a third or a fourth. Nah, it's probably a first. <laughs> probably a first. You've had a very good effect on us, Michelle. You have. Very positive. I had such a fun time. I'd love to come back on. Shit talking, this is awesome. Definitely now my new uh, must, I'm going to put it on my calendar so I can tune in and watch you guys. I'm going to be in the comments. Yeah, you'll be in the peanut gallery. Yes, join our peanut gallery. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they keep us in line because they're the ones that are like, um, excuse me, did you ask Michelle the basic questions? And I'm like, I didn't. I, I didn't. We just started talking. So we need you guys. So thank you guys all for listening. Yeah. Uh, thank you for tuning in, watching, listening, downloading, whatever you've done. If you have not subscribed to our show, you need to go do that and download us wherever you listen to your podcast. Yes, and don't forget that we air now every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we'll we'll see you next week at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.